eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But the offense was just such a failure up and down this lineup. Up and down. Nobody could hit. We're watching Pete go through. a He's struggling right now. Despite the home run the other day, Pete Alonzo struggling. He's scuffling a little bit. And when you're not getting pop or production, I should say, at a Pete, look at the rest of this lineup, especially when you take Starling Marte out of it, and now Mark Canna's batting second, especially on a day where Brandon Nimmo's quiet going 0 for 5. Where are you getting the offense from? You didn't get it from Dom Smith. You're not getting it from Eduardo Escobar. And as much as we've all crapped on James McCann, who is starting to hit, James McCann's going to be out for two months now. And that's a problem because I think McCann, much more so than Nitto, could at least get on a hot streak and maybe prove, at least for a short period of time, to be the offensive player he was in 2020. Tomas Nitto, while he doesn't wilt in a big moment and will get some big hits, and he has throughout this season, the guy is what he is. I mean, he's a 215 hitter who never draws a walk, who doesn't have a lot of pop. So you're getting no production out of Tomas Nito. And I'm not a huge Patrick Mazika fan. I'm not a huge fan of him behind the plate defensively, which is essential. And while he's had some lucky moments, some nice met moments, I think that's a bat that will get exposed every single day. So now we're in a spot where the catching position is worse today than it was two days ago. And before we get nuts about it, look, I have not screamed and yelled about Alvarez catching. I've screamed and yelled about Alvarez DHing. I think it's asking a lot to to have this guy handle this staff in the middle of a pennant race. I'm good with him catching once or twice a week. I've always said that. But the idea that he's going to come up and be the catcher, that's not happening. It's not realistic. It's not even something I'm suggesting. Because I think sometimes we underrate the importance of having a solid quarterback back there. And Tomas Nino's that guy. He's a solid quarterback back there, except when he's trying to throw out Billy Hamilton and he throws it 500 feet over Escobar's head in the 10th inning of this game. So look, the, the calls for Alvarez are going to continue. I know he hasn't hit that much at AAA, but it's not to me as a guy that's going to catch five days a week. He's not going to catch five days a week. And he shouldn't catch five days a week. But as a bat who can DH five days a week and catch 
once or twice, that I'm okay with. Do they? I, yeah, go ahead. Can I tell you what this reminds me of a little bit? And I feel what? like I feel like we're getting there. This reminds me of because considering the fact there's no extra trade deadline, it's it's August second. That's it. It's reminding me of Dwayne or Sanchez getting injured, trading away Xavier Nady for Roberto Hernandez and Ali Perez. It's going to be a desperation move. They're going to go pull for Wilson Wilson Contreras. I don't think so. I don't think so. And look, should they add a catcher at the trade deadline? Sure. It's not going to be Wilson Contreras. And it's not going to be Wilson Contreras, in my opinion. I'm just predicting for two reasons. Number one, I don't get the sense that Billy Epler's desperate. I don't. I don't get the sense, especially with the new playoff format, where as much as I want to win the division and you want to win the division, I don't think they're looking at, oh my God, we've got to do something or else we're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, you want to win the division, but I don't think they're going to make a desperate move because of how good the Atlanta Braves are. That's number one. Number two, Wilson Contreras defensively is a major downgrade over what they have now. Is he a major upgrade? Of course, no one's arguing that. But I think in this day and age, we are realizing, and maybe we should have always realized this, that defense behind the plate is so important. So while you want offensive production, why wouldn't you? Are you willing to give up that much defense? And here's the second part. Contreras is going to get a top prospect back. They're not trading a top prospect. They're not going to trade Alvarez for him. They're not going to trade Vientos for him. I'd be very, very surprised. Last year, they traded a top prospect for Javier Baez. They also got Trevor Williams, which I want to point out because Trevor's, as much as I got on him last week, he's been mostly good. As a swing guy, pitched great Thursday night. So they did get more than just Javi Baez back. So number one, they're not going to give the cost, Pete, for Wilson Contreras. And number two, I think they value defense too much. That's why if you're going to add a catcher, Sean Murphy, the Oakland A, is the guy to go after. He's an upgrade offensively. Everyone's an upgrade offensively. And he's solid defensively. I don't think they're going to be willing, nor should they, with a team that's still going to be based around starting pitching. Still going to be based around Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, Chris Bassett, like a really good top three. I don't think they're going to be willing to take that much of a downgrade defensively. And by the way, I think that's a big part of why they're not going to rush Alvarez behind the plate for that reason. So I'm not worried about that. What is what has made you think that this team's going to be desperate? Um, unfortunately for me, I feel like they're waiting too long to to bring in some reinforcements. Like we've been sitting here for a while, going like, you know, call up Alvarez. Get some life to this this lineup. Do something. And they're just waiting. And as they're doing this, it's reminiscent of last year. Now, li- listen, last year, when they lost the lead in the division, they were, what, three games over 500? They're right. still 20 games over 500. So it's a little bit different. It's not like they're like, oh, they're never going to make the playoffs. It's, 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 it, the no, Braves no, are it's, really fucking good. Pete, it's very, very different. I'll tell you why it's very, very different. They're like seven games up on a playoff spot. So as much as we focus on the division and the importance of winning the division, they weren't in that situation last year. They were lucky that the National League East was as crappy as it was, and that's what kept them in a playoff spot. Even if Atlanta passes this team this week, and I hope I'm wrong, I hope they don't pass them, the Mets are still in a great spot to make the postseason. So I don't think they feel any desperation. And think about this. Who's been traded? Who's been dealt? Nobody. Nobody. You're right. Early, early in the beginning of the season, like Austin Meadows got got dealt, some young guys got dealt. They were like mix and match because I think the Detroit, I think the fact that the uh, 
the lockout really affected how teams like work their their transactions. Hence, why Aaron Judge didn't get signed. You know, I think that really had to play a, a major part in some of these offseason signings. But, dude, it, it, it's it's very typical, and I I'm not as desperate as some of the Mets fans are, but I really think the Mets fan pulse is a little bit more like, can we do something? Can we be proactive vet rather than reactive? Well, look, we look, look. Calling, calling up a prospect and saying, hey, maybe Alvarez or Vientos can spark this team is one thing. And I was all for that. So I'm with you. For the last three weeks, I've... I think I've jumped to my conclusion on Dom Smith and J.D. Davis. Now I want to find out, is there someone else in this system that can produce for this team offensively? But as far as making a trade is concerned, a trade's not going to be made till right before the deadline. Because 9 out of 10 times, that's when it happens. Sure, you'll find some exceptions when the Yankees traded for David Justice on June 30th. But for the most part, these guys are moved days before the trade deadline. Bet and they're going to the Rays. Betancourt, I know, and listen, and I know he's not the guy. That, that's the example you're going to freaking use. Under, it, it's, listen, it's an upgrade. The guy was hitting for I, the A's. I get it, but they're going to add a DH bat. I don't know if they're going to add an upgraded catcher because up until yesterday, they were never going to add an upgraded catcher because they had James McCann and Tomas Nitto and kind of looked at that tag team and said, we're fine because we put a premium on defense. Look at some of the other good teams in baseball. Do the Astros look for an upgrade behind the plate? No. Because they trust Martin Maldonado and they say, look, he is a great defensive catcher. That's just the way it is. Like, I think the McCann injury makes you think differently about it, no doubt. McCann being out for what could be two months, yeah. Now you start to say, uh-oh, I think he's back in two months, but what if he has a setback? Maybe you go out and add a catcher. But 48 hours ago, they weren't going to add a catcher. They weren't. Where they're going to add Pete, and I think we all know it, is they're going to add a DH. I would be stunned. If they don't add a bat. Now, I don't know who it's going to be. I think we all need to pipe down about Trey Mancini. You don't want to know why? The freaking Orioles are in a pennant race. They are. And it would be disgraceful if the Baltimore Orioles start dumping guys. As much as I wouldn't mind it. Like, you can't do that. No. But, and they and, and listen, I got to be honest. Like, my 12-year-old's been looking and watching. goes, dude, this Orioles team has been realistic. Been outrageous lately. Like, it's, it's kind of like... The Orioles and what's the other team too? That's uh, someone, someone else that's the kind of youthful has really been playing well. Maybe it's not the Pirates, but somebody. somebody the Marlins. The, the Marlins. Well, the Marlins have won. Can we stop playing them? Like, why? Well, we still have eight games left. It feels like we play them every. Listen, Walker's played them three times. Bassett's last three starts have been versus the the Mets. Uh, we've seen Alcantara how many times? It's, it's ridiculous. Come on, well, stop when you, it already. When you play a team 19 times, which is what we have, starting next year, that'll be different. And then you don't play that team for the first three months of the season. This is what happens. I mean, we're going to we're about to be sick of the Atlanta Braves. Think about it. The Mets and the Braves are about to play 15 times. So we're going to feel that exact same way about Atlanta. But they're going to add a DH and they're going to add bullpen arms. They may have to add two bullpen arms at this point. They may have to add to me, Andrew Chafin's going to be a Met. That'd be my prediction. Only because they were going after him in the offseason. They knew they needed another lefty reliever. Right now, they only have Joely Rodriguez. They're going to add a lefty reliever. And A.J. Puck's not doing it for me. So, I just assume because they were so hot to trot for Chafin during the offseason, that's a guy they'll target. But they're going to add two relievers, or at least they need to add two relievers, and they're going to add a DH. I don't know. I'm thinking out loud about adding a catcher now because McCann's going to be out for as long as he was. But... I don't think they were ever going to add a catcher. 
because I think they looked at the defensive capabilities of Tomas Nitto and James McCann and said, we're fine. By the way, the other day, I'm looking up the catching defensive metrics because I know they're going to prioritize that. So I see Wilson Contreras is down. I kind of knew that. I see where Nitto is. I see how good Trevino is for the Yankees. Forget the offense. His defense is amazing. Med fans, here's the thing that really jumped out at me because I heard somebody on the radio on our station say, yeah, this guy sucks defensively. You know who's rated? <laughs> this just pains me. You know who's rated as the second best defensive catcher in Major League Baseball, according to uh, the pitch framing stats? Uh, I'm gonna say like a Hagashioka. Oh no, I know exactly who it is. And I'm gonna get. I know, Darno, Travis Darno. Yes. Oh. So we have to stop with this. Travis Darno is a terrible catcher. He was a terrible catcher. He was for us. But to his credit, he's blossomed into not only a really good bat for the Atlanta Braves and an all-star, but he's actually blossomed into a really good defensive catcher. And you know he's going to kill us over the next three games when the Mets take on the Atlanta Braves. The Braves did acquire Robinson Cano. Uh, (laughs) I know everybody's reaction is, here we go. Cano's going to kill us. I don't know if Robbie's actually going to be on the Brave roster this week. But I'm sure over the course of the 15 games the Mets play against the Braves, there will be plenty of Robinson Cano. As far as this series is concerned, let's all take one big deep breath, all right? All together. One, two, three. (sighs) Okay. If the Mets get swept by the Atlanta Braves, and that is on the table, very much on the table with the way the Braves have played, with the way the Mets are positioned going into this series, with no Jeff McNeil, who's going to be on the paternity list, with Starling Marte maybe missing all three games, doesn't look good, with the groin issue, it's very possible the Mets get swept. Okay, I think we all have to understand that. As sucky as we will feel on Wednesday afternoon, as bad as I'll feel having to sit next to Craig Carton, who's going to rub it in on me, it won't be the end of the world. All right, so I want to preemptively say that... (laughs) If this thing goes terribly wrong and we drop out of first place and we would drop out of first place, if we did get swept, there are going to be 12 more games against the Atlanta Braves. Jacob deGrom is on his way back. At least it feels that way with two rehab starts. We talked about the reinforcements that they'll have and hopefully Jeff McNeil back too the next time they face Atlanta. So I'm not predicting that they're going to get swept. I just want everyone to realize that I think sometimes we treat every game and every series like the end-all, be-all. And I think we all just need to take a deep breath here. That even if things go badly in Atlanta, which I fear, I admit, I'm not overly confident going into this series. Why would I be, considering the issues with this team right now? But I think we just all need to remind ourselves, even if it goes as badly as we all fear, it's not the end of the world. It really isn't. Because there are so many games with this team. There are going to be so many opportunities against this team. And this Met team, who goes to Atlanta for these three games, is a different team than the team that will face the Braves for a five-game series the first week of August. Not just Jacob deGrom, not just the mysterious July 31st or August 2nd trades they make, but hopefully guys like Starling Marte and Jeff McNeil are in the lineup. Because I'm thinking about this Met lineup over these three games, and I'm assuming Marte's out. I'm just going to assume Marte's going to miss time. Think about this lineup without Marte and McNeil. I mean, it sucks. 
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. First of all, they could activate Travis Jankowski. That could be an easy replacement for Starling Marte. I love Travis Jankowski. He's a nice defensive player. He's got some speed. He ain't Starling Marte. So you could be looking at an outfield going into this series of, because I assume they're not sticking Dom Smith or J.D. Davis in the outfield. They're not. I, I just don't think they are. We haven't seen it all year. You're looking at an outfield of Canna, Nimmo, maybe Jankowski. Alonzo, Guillerme, Lindor, Escobar. <laughs> I'm sorry. The DH on Monday will be J.D. Davis because Max Fried's on the mound. Tomas Nitto behind the plate. That is a really crappy lineup. I'm sorry. Now, you're basically going to need Pete Alonso to catch fire. You're going to need Francisco Lindor to catch fire. Because even if Max Scherzer dominates, you're going to have to score a run or two. We saw this in the finale against the Marlins. Didn't score a run. As great as Taiwan Walker was, they didn't score a run. So this lineup is going to be challenged, and they're facing good pitching. It's not like they're even facing mediocre pitching. Max Fried's going to pitch the opener. Spencer Strider, who's been awesome for the Braves and has kind of coincided him into the rotation. Michael Harris being called up, too, with the Atlanta Braves' ascension. And then Charlie Morton, who's been a completely different pitcher over his last six starts. That is not easy. That's three real good pitchers they got to deal with in this series against Atlanta. So even with Max Scherzer on the mound, who you have confidence in, even though his numbers against the Braves in his career are not sparkling, He's still Max Scherzer. His last start against the Braves was his last start at the NLCS when he went four innings allowed, two runs, then he had arm soreness. I don't mean to knock Max. I'm just saying. I'm just giving you the info. That's all I'm doing, Pete. I'm just giving you the info. But even with Scherzer and Peterson and Bassett, which you feel all right about, especially Bassett and Scherzer, they're facing three real good pitchers, and they're doing it with a lineup that on paper is very, very flawed. The other big question, because the game they need to win is the opener. That's the game they got to win. You got Max Scherzer on the mound. You're coming off a loss to the Marlins. You're leading this division a game and a half. If they lose the opener, I will fully believe we're being swept. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like the opener is the, I'm not going to say something stupid like it's a must-win game. It's not. As I explained earlier, even if they get swept as much as it would suck, it's not the end of the world. But in terms of the importance of this series, can they win this series? Winning the opener is essential. And here's the real question for Buck, and he won't answer this, obviously. Is Edwin Diaz available? And the reason I bring that up is Edwin Diaz has now pitched in back-to-back games. He did not throw a lot of pitches in the finale of this series. In fact, let me get the exact total so I have it in front of me. He threw He threw seven pitches. Oh, nine pitches. Seven pitches I got in front of me. Seven pitches. Okay, not bad. He threw 11 pitches the day before. So he hasn't thrown a lot in these back-to-back games, but he has not pitched back-to-back-to-back all season long. Hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. Last year, different manager, he threw back-to-back-to-back games one time all year long. So it's a rarity. It's not something you normally see. I do commend Buck that he used him on Sunday because 
I got to win that game. That game I have to win. I can't worry about saving him for a game on Monday when I'm trying to win a game on Sunday. He's my best reliever. So I'm going to hold out hope that because it's only 18 pitches over two games, that in the right situation, like a save situation, Buck will use Edwin Diaz. Now, I don't think he's going to use him necessarily in a tie game. I don't think he'll certainly use him in a game in which they're trailing by a run. So even in a close game, I think he'll stay away from him unless it's a traditional save situation in the ninth inning. And then I think he would use him. But back-to-back-to-back is not a common thing. We haven't seen Edwin Diaz do it all year long. And as we talked about earlier, there's nobody in this bullpen you trust. You imagine Seth Lugo coming in against the top of this brave order, and this is a tough-ass lineup. I mean, Acuna and Riley and Swanson and Olsen and Darno. Ugh. Because here's the reality. And, and I hope a, a month from now or three weeks from now, I'll say something different. But in this moment, July 11th, 2022, the Braves are a better team. They just are. Sucks to say, but when you look at their rotation right now, when you look at their bullpen, their bullpen is clearly better than the Met bullpen, Kenley Jensen or not, and they got a better lineup. They just are. Now, Jacob DeGrom's healthy. The Mets add for Mets added DH. Marte and McNeil are out there. Are we saying something different when they're playing that five-game series first week of August? Maybe. We may say something different. But, look, I don't think there's denying this fact. Over the last month, the Atlanta Braves have been a superior team. They just have. And that's why this lead is down to a game and a half. The Mets have been average over the last few weeks. They've been bad. They've been average. And the Atlanta Braves have been awesome. So I got bad memories of Atlanta. I know it's two stadiums ago, thinking about the old Fulton County Stadium and then certainly Turner Field. But, boy, the Mets against the Braves. Oh, God, I got so many. I keep thinking of all those big home runs Chipper Jones would hit in the late 90s. And what would that that song they used to play at, at Turner Field? It's like a Nickelodeon song they'd play every time Chipper Jones hit a home run. I can't remember it. If someone remembers that stupid song, uh, tweet me at Evan Roberts, WFAM. Late 90s. I'm telling you, every time Chipper Jones hit a home run, they played a freaking Nickelodeon song. Haunted my dreams. Haunted my nightmares. But it's a different world now. It's Mets Braves 20 years later. Good luck, Mets fans. And I remind you, stay calm. Because even if we get annihilated and swept and embarrassed, it's not the end of the world. Okay? Did that make you feel better, Hoff, or not really? No, but I'm going to give you some positive notes before we leave. First of all, I know the catcher the Mets should go for at the trade deadline. And the reason why I tie it together is because he's caught Max Scherz before. He's successful. He's a buddy of mine. I always go back to him. Jan Gomes, bring him in. Defensive catcher. Now I understand. <laughs> I understand he's not hitting very well right now because he came back from an injury. But we always talk about him. He's not a bad hitter, but he catches. He's a good defensive catcher. No, he if, is. If that is, I got if, no issue with that. If 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 that if if we're talking about an upgraded catcher, that's someone we can actually realistically look at. It's not going to cost a ton. He'll be good. Wish he's caught him in a World Series game. So that's what I'm talking about. And then on a positive note, real positive for me, over the weekend, played Jerry Recco in a tournament game. Uh, his, his 12U team versus my 12U team drove down to Holmdale. Uh, we actually won the, the game versus him. He actually won the whole tournament somehow. 
But on the trip down this morning, my son, JD, my stepson, JD, was talking to my youngest four-year-old, Anthony, who is a big Yankee fan. The conversation led to Aaron Judge. That's Anthony's favorite players. Four years old, favorite players, Aaron Judge loves the Yankees. JD goes, what if he becomes a New York Met? Anthony goes, I will be a Mets fan. What if he becomes a Giant? <laughs> he will become a Giant fan. So wow. Anthony loves Aaron Judge that much that no matter where he goes, he will be that person, that a fan of, of Aaron Judge, that team, wherever he goes. So Steve Cohen, you heard me. He has to be a Met next year so I can get my four-year-old kid, soon to be five, to be a Met fan. There you go. Anthony sounds like a perfect basketball fan, does he not? Just follow <laughs> yeah, the, st- <laughs> follow the follow stars. Star. Uh, follow by the, the way, stars from team hey, to team, yes. So I got I, I got asked, uh, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, how are you feeling about that? Is that a good trade, bad trade? No, it's not a good trade. Nothing about what's happening to the Nets right now <laughs> is good. All right? Nothing. Nothing is good. Russell, first of all, if the Nets trade Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook, they better get the two Laker first-round picks at minimum. I don't know what else they could get from that decrepit basketball team, but don't don't talk basketball. That depresses me. Like right. even the even the thought of the Mets being swept by the Braves is less depressing <laughs> than the current state of the basketball team I happen to root for. Then, uh, then all I need to ask is this, and, and that's it: Durant Irving percentage that they will both be on the nets starting the season oh yeah they're they're gone they're absolutely gone anyone who tells you that they're gonna run it back they're they're smoking some kind of hopeful uh pipe it's not happening because the 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 horrendous owner of the brooklyn nets and he is the worst (laughs) owner that new york sports maybe has ever seen i have never seen an owner that that takes a lot by the way it takes a lot it's true true. (laughs) It's, it's absolutely true, even though not, not enough people are saying it. But I'll say it. I'll say it every day until this guy sells the team. He wants to get rid of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He does not want the – why did you bring this up? I'm talking about the freaking Mets. Even the Mets struggling depresses me less than thinking about how this disaster in Brooklyn actually occurred. Well, the positive was that Aaron Judge, because of Mets, that my son will be a Met fan. So that's then, the positive so, you take out of that all this. That was the positive. It then just led to the my my my, my the questions kept on coming from JD on the right. It was an hour and a half to get down I, to I home thought, today. I thought the biggest loser positive one could take out of everything is hey look if we don't win the division, not a big deal. We got Jake and Max in a best of three series. Don't worry. I thought that was going to be the pivoted positive moment or something. No, no. First of all, we're still winning the division. I don't give a crap what anybody says. I'm sticking with Sal. I'm putting my money on Sal. Licata, he knows best. Sal's already wrong. Like I, oh. I said that to Sal when he was on the podcast a few weeks ago. He was already wrong. You can't say the division is over. We won the division. Now the lead's down to a game and a half. Like even if the Mets win the division, his opinion from a month and a half ago was wrong. And and look, I don't know if he was just saying that for the TV. And I guess I respect that. You know, Craig sometimes says stuff for the radio. But there's no way as a Met fan you could have really believed deep down that it was over, over. And I think a part of that is this disrespect that we need to get over for the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves have won how many division titles in a row? The Atlanta Braves are the defending reigning world freaking champions. Like, we need to respect them. There's a possibility the Mets are going to lose this pennant race to the Braves, and we may win 95 games. I mean, we may be able to say, hey, look, it was a great year. The Braves happen to be better. That happens. 
And I but think then, a part of declaring this race is over wasn't just a pro-Met view. It was like, ah, the Braves aren't that good. They are that good. And they've been that good. And and again, though, the organization, the, the GM was aggressive in the trade deadline. They, they made the moves. Half their team was injured or uh, uh, Ozuna was out for personal other reasons. And they went out and got all this talent, surplus talent, and kept on building and being proactive. Like, I feel that's the one thing in our history that's been consistent. The productivity's been consistent. Look, what they did last year was they won a series against the Mets, a five-game series in late July, that gave Alex Anthopoulos enough belief to go add reinforcements. No doubt about that. But the Atlanta Braves have won four consecutive NLEs. Even before they did what they did last year, they were a 97-win team three years ago. Okay? They're good. They've been good for a while. And so I think we just have to accept that this version of the Atlanta Braves, the one we're battling with in 2022, may be the best of the bunch. Like, I I could make an argument, even without Freddie Freeman, that this team, especially with some of the young talent on this roster, like Michael Harris, like Spencer Strider, like Max Fried, who's continuing to prove he's one of the better pitchers in this league, like this bullpen that's loaded from the left and right side. This team may be better than the team that won 97 games in 2019. And yes, they may be better than the team that won the World Series last year. But here's what's great. The Mets get to go mano a mano with them. They get 15 games against them to say, yeah, you may be good, but we're better. And we're about to find out how they stack against one of the premier teams in the National League with a three-game series against the Braves. We'll talk all about it after the series ends. They're going to conclude it with an early Wednesday afternoon game. I'm on the air that day. So sometime Wednesday night, we'll post a reaction to this three-game series against Atlanta. And coming up during the All-Star break, we'll not only give you a comprehensive trade deadline preview, we'll also have a trade deadline retrospective, taking a look at some of the past actions by this New York Met franchise, good and bad, at the trade deadline over the last 20-plus years. You can check out Pete Halpin with Tiki and Tierney Middays on the Fan. I'm obviously with Carton. Afternoons, 2 to 6.30 on WFAN. Thank you for downloading and listening to Rico Brony. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 